Welcome to Little Detours with Regina Brett, where we help you create a life you love out of the life you have. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Regina Brett. I love talking to people about unexpected detours in life that ultimately led them to a new kind of joy they couldn't have imagined. Today's guest is one of those people. Kevin Adelstein is one of the most energetic and positive people I've ever met. He's the publisher and CEO of the Cleveland Jewish News and the Columbus Jewish News. You can read more about Kevin and read his publication at cgn.org. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Regina. Thank you for having me. Now, Kevin, you hired me to be a columnist at the Cleveland Jewish News back in 2013 by using a term I'd only ever heard from my husband, my favorite Jewish man in the world. No offense to you. It was the word beshirt, meant to be. You had called me to have lunch. We were sitting at a restaurant at Nighttown, and you asked me to join your staff. And I remember laughing, and I said, you know I'm not Jewish. I mean, the name Regina Maria is pretty Catholic. And you said you wanted inspirational writing. You said it's beshirt. And I nearly fell out of the chair because I'd never heard that word before, uh, except for my husband. Let's talk about beshirt meant to be. What does that mean to you? Yes, yeah, so... It's it's a powerful Jewish expression, Jewish meaning, and it means exactly that. It, it was meant to be. So I think we're all meant to be in our own purpose. And 2013 was, was a, a monumental year for me because I made a significant change in my life, and that was by deciding to join the Cleveland Jewish Publication Company as its publisher. And for me to go one step further just not even a year into my tenure there and tell my board chair at the time who, who, you know, is very, he's past president of his synagogue. He's past president of his, um, actually he wasn't past president of the synagogue, but he's a very active member of his synagogue. He's past president of the uh, Mandela Jewish community center, past president of Agnon school, um, which is now the Mandela JDS that I wanted to hire a devout Catholic woman to write a weekly column for us was pretty significant for me. It took a lot of um, courage and guts, but I had a purpose and, and, and that purpose is all about, it was meant to be. And if, having grown up with, with reading you in uh, the Plain Dealer and the Acme Beacon Journal and following you and just knowing how powerful your words are. So um, that was meant to be, to bring us together. And I had no idea had no idea that, that Bruce won you over by uh, saying that it was Beshert for, for the two of you to be together. So I, w- I was honored that, that you had tied the correlation of the two together. And I was in that same thing, in the same uh, uh, world as Bruce uh, wooing you over. And you're probably surprised some Catholic girl knew what Beshert meant. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. I actually was. And then to see your reaction was priceless. I'll never forget sitting in the patio at nighttime. I'll never forget that, that, that meeting and, you know, when, how I approached Bruce and, and just that, that, you know, that I wanted your number and I didn't want him to negotiate for us. I didn't want him involved. I didn't want him knowing that conflict of interest, uh, knowing Bruce's ties to the uh, CJN as a past board chair and one of the best ones we've had. Um, so I wanted to do it all on my own. So let's talk about your wife, Darren. She was your Bashir. How did you meet? Yeah. So, Darren and I met because I was working as a usher at the Low Cedar Center movie theater that is no longer. And uh, I worked with one of Darren's best friends who was behind the candy counter. And Darren would come in and uh, see Sabrina 
when we were working together and we got to know each other there. And uh, Darren went to Heights, I went to Brush and, and uh, I was working there my junior year, my junior and senior years of high school. And throughout that whole time, we never even thought, I never thought of asking her out. And uh, she went to Ohio University, went off to Ohio University. I went off to Ohio State. Um, and actually Kent State for one semester, then I transferred to Ohio State. And make a long story short, we'd see each other at uh, Lee Road bars like the Colony and Tav- Tavco um, where we come home for breaks. And it wasn't until I had just graduated and I'd asked her out in the bar. We were in the uh, Colony. And I gave her my class ring from Brush and said, the only way I can get this ring back, it was a ridiculous pickup line, but I said, the only way I can get this back is if by me asking you out on a date and you going on a date with me. And she laughed, took my ring, and I called her up. And uh, we went to see our first date was at uh, um, Loman's Plaza Movie Theater. At the time, it was, I don't even know if they're still around. I hope they are. Um, but it was like a dollar movies. And then we went to see Frankie and Johnny with Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer went to a bar for dinner and, uh, the rest is history. <laughs> Good history. Darren also like you, we have a, as, as I know, you know, we have a mixed marriage as well. Darren's, um, a, a good Catholic girl and, uh, I'm a good Jewish boy. So. Yeah. My husband has a theory about that. He said Jewish men are taught they have to please their wives and do anything to please their wives. And Catholic women are taught you get to reward in heaven. So anything he does, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> let's talk about I love that. Yeah, let's talk about um, your decision to have a child and your son Cooper. Uh, first, how did you pick the name Cooper? It's a very unusual name. Um, we just loved it. We, we fell in love with the name. We actually, I think we might have seen the name on one of the a TV show that we had watched, you know, on either Fox or NBC or something. And there was a character name and it stuck with us and we really liked it. Um, and then we gave him his name. Cooper Henry um, is Cooper Henry Edelstein, his middle name. Um, he's named after my grandfather, my, my maternal grandfather, um, Henry Shaw and Darren's um, uncles and grandfather, also a family name. So, um, Cooper was more of a fun name and, uh, my license plate, if you see me driving around is Coop rocks and, and I'll get stopped every once in a while from someone asking me what it, what it means and, and Coop rocks, Cooper rocks. So it's, it's C-O-O-P-R-O-X. So let's talk a little bit about Cooper. So you're, uh, expecting parents and like any, any parents, you're excited about this newborn, your life changing. Tell us what happened when Cooper was born. Yeah, so we were living in Orlando, Florida at the time. I'd gotten a year into our marriage. I'd gotten transferred to uh, move out to Orlando, and we were living there. And Darren had a perfect, perfectly healthy pregnancy. Um, we had no reason to believe that anything would go wrong. And uh, an hour after Cooper was born, he stopped breathing. And we called for help. And, um, you know, NICU came in and Unfortunately, there was too much time went by without oxygen between the time um, he had coded and the time they got him into NICU. So he suffered severe oxygen deprivation and it affected his um, significant effect on his motor skills. 
cognitive as far as we know cognitively he, he's okay um but he was in NICU for 30 days in that hospital and uh it, it was a, a very grim report uh we were told by multiple neonatologists that uh he's suffered irreparable brain damage and his chances of survival are very very slim and uh, they said when they released us from the hospital they said take him home and he's going to cry a lot and we're here for you if you need us and he's not going to survive past infancy and that's just fact and uh, Cooper just turned 24 years old uh, 23 years old he'll be 24 on Christmas Eve he's a Christmas Eve baby he shares his birthday with my two older fraternal bro- fraternal twin brothers um, who are all born on December 24th so he he's 23 now so he's your miracle. I mean, they said he wasn't going to make it. And he is now 23. Yeah. Yeah. They, they told us he wasn't going to survive. And uh, it, it was the ultimate spook. And, and um, we were brand new parents. We were in our you know mid twenties and we had, you know, one minute, our parents are Cooper was born in the middle of the night. One minute our, our, our we caught our parents and they're on a plane. They're, you know, getting ready to pack up and, and board planes from Cleveland to Orlando and then uh, an hour or so later, I call them and tell them, stop, here's what's going on. And we were just, we were there by, it was just the two of us there. We had, I mean, we were there, living there all on our own. We moved from our hometown and, and it was it was a really um, frightening experience for all of us. And then he, when he was two and a half, he also got a mitochondrial disease that affected his motor skills. Yeah, so we moved back to Cleveland for, for our incredible health care that we were blessed with in Northeast Ohio. And uh, he was tested for, you know, a lot of different, you know, things because of his, what he was going through. Um, and, and he had those early years were very, very rough where they were just, it was all crying and a lot of sleepless nights. Um, it was really challenging for Darren, who who is is a saint as far as I'm concerned, because I was going back and forth from Florida to Cleveland because of my career. And uh, it was very important that we maintain my uh, livelihood um, so, so that, you know, that wasn't disrupted. And Darren w- was uh, performing her miracles working with Cooper in Cleveland. And uh, he was uh, at about two and a half. He was diagnosed with a mitochondrial disease, which is a metabolic disorder. And, it, the mitochondria produce energy to the cells to keep the organs functioning. His mitochondria are severely da- are, are damaged and they can't be repaired. So we we don't know if that's why he stopped breathing. People live with mitochondrial diseases, and, and uh, you know th- there's no known cure for it. But we know that that the you know that the amount of time he went without oxygen caused his severe disabilities um, that he has today. So when I see you out with your family, you've won many awards and you've brought Cooper to uh, events and it's such a beautiful picture of family. And I wondered this whole journey you went on, what helped you and Darren stay together and do this as a team? Because many marriages don't withstand something like this. I think people are either brought together or it pulls them apart. How did you stay together through this? Wow. Um, it wasn't easy. We had a lot of, I mean, there were, there was a lot of, of bumpy roads over, we've been married over uh, 25 years and it, it wasn't easy. Um, 
you know, our faith in each other, the will, our, our families, um, counseling, you know, we, 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 we have coaches, um, individually and, and together, you know, j- just a strong will, strong upbringing. And there's no way in hell I would ever, ever, ever want her to do this on her own. You know, I don't want any parent. I don't think any parent should have to raise a child on their own, a, a healthy child, you know, but that's reality. I mean, that, that happens. And, and to have, you know, f- have Cooper have that for, for Darren or I to have that it, it, it's, you know, we, we made it work. We, we went to a marriage coach, like I said, for a lot, a lot of years to make sure that we were healthy together and that we were in sync and that we were on the same page. And, you know, we, we, we've always said, Regina, we take our cues from Cooper. We don't know what the future holds. We were told, look, look we were told, you know, 20, oh, 20, almost 24 years ago, this kid's not going to be here. And we know better than to look in the rearview mirror and to look in, in the crystal ball at the same time. It's one day at a time. And that's what life has for us. That's a good way to look at it. Don't look in the crystal ball or in the rearview mirror to stay in today. Yeah. So, so today, um, Cooper is uh, in a wheelchair. He can't eat on his own. He can't speak, but then you have to shower him. I mean, there's a lot of constant care for him. Yeah, there is. And your wife is his primary caretaker. Darren is his primary caregiver. Um, we're blessed with incredible family in our hometown where they, they can help out just if we, if we need to run an errand or something. And Cooper's an adult. So, you know, he, you know, Darren bathes him. Um, or when Darren's not here, I do, you know, but Darren is the primary caregiver. Um, she also went back to work this year. So she's literally, when I say she's a saint, she's a saint. And um, we, 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 he's nonverbal. He's, you know, uh, doesn't eat, eat on, doesn't eat anything orally. He gets all the G-tube from feeding tube. Um, you know, we toilet him. Um, you know, he has a communication device, he has an iPad that he communicates when he's in his adult program, but at home, we know Cooper, like the back of our hand, we know what he wants. We know when he's troubled, we know what his, um, you know, hot buttons are to push, to, to excite him. And, you know, it's, we know him by now. So So what does excite him? What brings him the most joy? Family, music, books. He, he loves the Australian group, the Wiggles, um, that, that he's been watching and listening to for years and years. And we've taken to a bunch of Wiggles concerts when they've toured in, in America. And uh, Darren started a, a, many years ago um, getting him into, and, and in fact, I think her sisters actually got him a subscription to Audible um, for his birthday one year. And we've been you know, letting him listen to, and he helps pick them out you know, intellectual books, you know, the J.K. Rowling series and Harry Potter and all that stuff. And he loves that stuff, listening to audio books um, and uh, going for nice long walks in the neighborhood. So things like that and listening, watching his goofy sister make fun of him and us and do little, you know, kid stuff. Let's talk about that decision you made to have another child because you had so much work to take care of Cooper and so many ups and downs and therapy and medical appointments. And it sounds like you had initially closed that door, not going to try that again. What happened? You In past interviews, you kind of had this moment of clarity, kind of an epiphany. 
Yeah, it was just that. And, and, you know, we talked about it for a long time after Cooper, after we had some sense of stability with Cooper's medical treatment and care. And, you know, we, we talked about it and, and Darren was the driving force behind that. She really wanted another child. And, and I fought her on it for a long time. And I just, I wasn't prepared for the unknown of, you know, what if, what if this happens to another child, even though, you know, medically we've asked the question, why did this happen? You always ask why you always want to know why. And we were told it was a fluke. There's nothing genetic. Darren and I did genetic testing. There's nothing, you know, in our family history that would indicate that this would happen again, but I still was spooked by the experience. So we'd resign ourselves to that. She'd resign herself to it. And then one day about 11 years ago, I had an epiphany and it smacked me in the face and I approached her and I said, I'm ready. And she said, ready for what? (laughs) Ready for another child. And she goes, stop messing with me. It's not funny. I said, no, I'm ready. And she said, are you serious? And I said, yes. So we talked to Cooper's doctor um, Dr. Bruce Cohn, who, who is a, a oncologist and, and metabolic expert at Akron Children's Hospital, formerly at the Cleveland Clinic. And, and, you know, we invited Bruce over for dinner at our home and we had dinner with him and we talked to him about it. And what do we need to know and, and what do we need to do? And we went and got more genetic testing because, you know, we wanted to make sure that, that we were, you know, uh, we were ready for this. And, and he said, you can do this. And, and medicine has changed a lot, obviously. And, and so we did, we did all kinds of, you know, tests on Darren, um, you know, the triple check and, and at that time there was the quad check. So, so to make sure that, that you know, everything was good and, and uh, not kind of what everything went well. And we had a plan in place that in the unlikely event that something happened to the baby, we had a neonatologist in the labor and delivery room. And the plan was to take the baby immediately after delivery take him or her up to, we, we knew it was going to be a girl. So take her up to NICU where we insurance wouldn't pay for it because it was preventative. We paid out of our pocket to have her in NICU for seven, for five days to make sure that she was observed. So if in those early days she was going to cart, they were there and, and could, could treat her. And that was our plan. And how old is she now? Carson uh, will be 11 on July 9th. Okay. All right, well, we're at the halfway mark, so I want to pause for just a second. I want to thank you for listening to Little Detours with Regina Brett, and I want to thank our guest, Kevin Adelstein, for joining us. I know you have many podcast choices, and I'm most grateful that you picked mine to listen to. So, Kevin, I wonder, growing up, there were five five boys, two sets of twins. Did you feel lonely? I did. Yeah, I'm sandwiched in the middle of two sets of twin brothers, and we're five years apart, so... Um, I was called every name you can imagine the oddball pickle in the middle, um, you know, the one without a twin. And uh, I did, I, I did feel left out. There were many um, sleepless nights where, you know, my parents even took me to a child psychologist because I didn't feel that connection. Um, and, and I remember, you know, nights where my parents would leave the bathroom light on for me and, and milk and cookies in, in the bathroom in case I woke up and, and to help me, it was part of helping me sleep because I had my own room. My brothers got to share a room with each other and uh, had each other in their room, and, and I felt left out. It's interesting what that would do to a child because the normal almost seems like you're, you have a pair, you have a twin in your family. So how did you yeah. sort of make peace with that and kind of 
really just say, okay, this is who I am in the world. I grew up and I realized how special, and I call it special K also because I didn't have a twin, but I realized how, how unique it was and the fact that, hey, I have my own room. I have my own car. I have my own clothes. I have my own friends. Yep. And I still have my brothers who turn in, turn out to be my best friends in the world. And we're, we're very close. We always, all five of us always were. It's a very special bond. Like I said, we're five years apart. So, you know, my mom, had I been a girl, um, shame on her, <laughs> foolish her. And I've been a girl, she would have stopped. And, and she wanted to go one more time, try one more time to get, you know, one girl. And oops, she had, you know, not only my boys, oh my. <laughs> not only boys, but another set of twins. I'm sure she stopped after that and said, no more. Yes, no more yes, yes. She counted her blessings. So. There you go. Kevin, when we first met all those years ago, I remember you telling me you worked with an energy coach. And this whole idea of energy in your life is so important. And also when you see for Cooper to not have that energy. I wonder, what does energy mean to you and the idea of working with a coach? Why is that so important to you? Yes. So I had, um, before Carson was born, in between Cooper and Carson, I had some medical issues on my own that I was dealing with. And part of that recovery for me and that treatment for me was on the recommendation of my mother-in-law was getting a energy coach and doing Reiki and to help restore my body and to keep it balanced and build yin while balancing yang and all that stuff. So I found myself an energy practitioner and Janelle Volkhubbard is um, one of my, my dearest confidants to this day. And I see, we see each other uh, monthly. And now um, during coronavirus, every other week we, we do a zoom call. We've been doing it now for a couple months now because I can't go into her uh, to see her. Um, in her studio, but it, it, it's practicing energy medicine to build up strength, energy in, in, in your body and in your mind. And I do it religiously on a daily ritual as a daily ritual. And then I, I, I lay on her table when I see her monthly or biweekly and, and uh, she balances me and keeps me balanced. And we talk a little bit about what my life is like at that point in time. Uh, we spend a little bit of time talking as my coach and, and then you know, she performs energy medicine on me. And uh, then I, I have self, you know, I do, she taught me how to do it on my own where, where I'll do some uh, five minute, you know, energy medicine exercises at home every morning. That's how I start my day. Tell us about what that, what that actually is when you say energy medicine, is it tapping? Is it? Uh... Yep. Okay. It, it's tapping. It, it's tapping. It, it, it's like this. It, it's tapping behind my shoulder it, it, it's taking a a spoon, the bottom of your spoon, a bottom of a spoon and rubbing on the bottom of your feet because that helps restore different organs, help keeps different organs um, balanced. And when I'm really troubled, we'll talk about what's what's troubling me, whether it's at home or work or life in general. And we want to make sure that my organs remain healthy and, and balanced. So um, we'll, we'll do, she'll do different treatments based on, you know, what we're trying to balance at that, at that point in time. And um, after the show, I'll get that information, a link to maybe her website. If people are interested, they could find out more about that. That'd be great. Sure. Now you also are a crazy person on the bike. Yeah. So man, um, man. well, well I, I'm, I'm struggling with, with it because 
you know, I'm really competitive and I watch the leaderboard. We're talking about Peloton and uh, my colleagues at work make fun of me just because I'm obsessed with that exercise regimen that, that Darren and I literally two plus years ago, we saw a commercial, the power of, of advertising. And uh, we saw a commercial, we went online and looked at, watched some videos and we never, neither one of us were bicyclists outside of, you know, recreational. Right. Um, so we're, we're not competitive in that regard. Um, we've never been on a Peloton bike. We didn't have a Peloton studio in Cleveland at the time. And, and uh, we just, we rolled the dice and we bought it. And uh, we, we uh, love it now. We, we ride um, religiously. Um, you know, she's doing every, like right now she, she's hiking on a hiking trail, practicing social distancing. So she won't ride today, but tomorrow she will. And I ride every day. There's start my day, um, on the bike early in the morning, or I'll end it depending on my day schedule that, uh, week or that particular day. And we love it. And I just had a milestone, um, a couple weeks ago, I had my 700th ride and we've also, we've actually been out in, uh, New York and gone to the studio there and taking some live rides in the studio, which is pretty cool too. So it sounds, Kevin, like you do a lot to take care of yourself. Easier said than done. <laughs> it's just especially knowing, especially now, and my primary concern is not me, it's my family. It, it's taking, it, it's making sure the Carson doesn't get lost in the shuffle of life. Sure. And especially now when kids are so vulnerable and the disruption that they're faced with their lives have been faced with. And there's disappointment later this week, we're supposed to go to New York. We had a plan, a trip planned to New York city, just the three of us, Darren and I getting away without Cooper it is, you know, a, a feat in itself. And, and thanks to the blessing and support of her family and her sister was going to, we were going to fly her in from Dallas and she was going to spend the weekend with Cooper. And we were supposed to take Carson to New York to go see two Broadway shows. We were going to the Peloton studio mm-hmm. and a live ride and uh, make Carson watch us do a live ride in the studio that obviously has been disrupted and, and she's been miraculous and just it's miraculous seeing her disappointment has not, it doesn't wear on her. And and so dealing with all that is much more important to me that than taking care of myself and, and taking care of our company and making sure that we can weather the storm that we all have. And, you know, I'm responsible for 24 employees and people like you, freelancers who, who, who have been affected by, you know, by, by this, and you're still a member of our family. And that weighs on my, that, that weight carries a tremendous burden on my shoulders and has since the pandemic started. And that's why it's so important that I do practice energy medicine. And I do talk to Janelle on a regular basis. Um, we were doing it monthly and we've increased it to every other week because, you know, it's, it's I need to make sure that I am healthy. So the, at the Cleveland Juice News, you have 7,000 some subscribers, about 25,000 readers. If you look at, there's different people in the house reading. And um, you've got a lot of detours to navigate in the news business, you know, as far as the ads going digital and now advertising being cut because of the coronavirus. How do you kind of navigate this changing world of journalism? I mean, you're the, you're the guy who's, the buck stops here, so to speak. Yeah, so we have an incredible staff who are, who really buy into my plan, who buy into what we're trying to accomplish. They bought into it a long time ago. Um, and when I came in, I said, I want to build a world-class organization with, with all due respect to my predecessors. I didn't think that we were a world-class organization. There's so much more that we needed to do. 
And I was really driven on that. And I'm really blessed with, with an incredible board of directors who, who support me and, and buy into it and, and, and provide incredible leadership to us at a time where, where we need it the most. Our community is very, very, very special. It's what attracted me to this, to this community a long time ago. And, you know, that, that helps watching the challenges that the plane dealer is going through really weigh on me as well because I'm a journalist. It's my vocation. You know, I went to school for journalism, so it's not like I was just thrown into this at the same time. I understand the business side because most of my career was spent in advertising, not in in writing. So um, I have that unique perspective from both sides of it to be able to, you know, maneuver through the ad side as well as the the dire need for journalism and, and, and to not, you know, to sort of watch both of those lines. And, and, and at the same time, we tore down the wall, if you will. And for those of you not familiar, The Plain Dealer is Ohio's largest newspaper. I worked there for many years. And let's close with the idea of tikkun olam. Tikkun olam, I love it, another beautiful Jewish concept, to repair the world. And in some ways, you are doing that, many ways, through, through journalism. Tell us how you have taken that idea of repairing the world and making that part of your personal mission and the paper's mission. How I've done it through the paper's mission is, as you know, we've initiated over the last many years um, under the leadership. And, and, you know, this was brought to us from Adam Mandel, who's our vice president of sales, who came from, you know, another newspaper company where he was familiar with events and planned events. And he wanted us to do something to recognize members of the community that were giving back. They were doing something that was meaningful. And that's where Tikkun Olam is, repairing the world. So, you know, we created the Cleveland Jewish News 18 Difference Makers. And that recognizes members of the community, lay leaders, as well as professionals that are truly giving back to the community and impacting Jewish Cleveland. We took that a step further. Uh, two years ago, we introduced Cleveland Jewish News, 12 under 36 members of the tribe, recognizing 18 members under the age of 36 that are impacting Jewish Cleveland. We rolled 18 different makers out in Columbus when we launched the Columbus Jewish News. We have now the Columbus Jewish News, 18 difference makers. So we're doing that. We're giving members of the community a voice in the newspaper where when, whenever somebody says, I'd like to write a col- I'd like to write a, a, a article for you. I will jump all over that, Regina, because that is, we are a community newspaper. I want their voice heard and nobody can tell it like them. And then we polish it and edit it, of course, but giving members of the community a voice through their words in the newspaper is very important to me. And doing that online and and engaging the youth members of, of, you know, the Jewish Federation of Cleveland's Young Leadership Division and, and creating content for them is really important. That's part of showing you know, the world that we all live in and how they're making a difference. There's a great quote by uh, Rabbi Noah Weinberg. He says, if you don't know what you're living for, you haven't yet lived. So Kevin, what are you living for? What am I living for? How would you answer that? My kids depend on me and and my family depends on me. First and foremost, Um, I depend on me. I'm living for the world around me. I talked earlier about, you know, I had an illness many years ago and the only thing that I was worried about, it wasn't me not being there, but it was me not being there for my family. 
and having Cooper at the time not have a father and have Darren not have a husband to support her and my parents not having, you know, me. And you go to the darkest places when, when you think you're, when, when you think you're sick and, and you know, so I live for, for my family and, and I could not ever, ever imagine life without them or, or my life, you know, their life without me. And uh, I learned a long time ago, control the controllable. Worry about oh, what I like you like that. Control the controllable. <laughs> control the controllable. Okay. That's what I try to do. I love it. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And tell us again how to reach. I know it's cjn.org is the website. Any Facebook page you want to mention? Yeah, so you can find the Cleveland Jewish News and the Columbus Jewish News on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, on, uh, Cleveland Jewish News is at Cleveland Jewish News. And uh, on Instagram and Twitter, it's at CleveJN. And uh, Columbus Jewish News is at Columbus Jewish News. And on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter, it's at Columbus J News. And you can follow, find me on LinkedIn. You know, all of, all of our content is on our website. And uh, in, in the uh, coronavirus pandemic, we've posted um, hundreds and hundreds of original articles and content affecting the Cleveland and Columbus Jewish communities. I'm telling their stories of interest and uh, I encourage you to follow us. Okay, and I'll have links to those on my website, uh, reginabrett.com. Well, my biggest takeaway today is we don't really want a crystal ball or the rearview mirror. We really do want to just keep our vision in the present. And I love that, control the controllable. Uh, Kevin, I want to have you close with your answer to this question. What is the best thing you do for yourself every day to create a life you love out of the life you have? I watch what I eat to take care of myself. So I, I, I eat to live. Um, I also, doesn't mean I don't binge. I, I mean, I, I have vices, uh, you know, uh, peanut butter M&Ms, um, a great glass of red wine. Um, I practice energy medicine. I exercise. I allow my time to exercise without guilt. And Darren allows me that. And I allow her that too, because it's very important to us. And put Carson to bed every night and lay with her. And we have our little ritual in her bed where, where we, we say we do a pixie dust uh, sort of like a quasi prayer with each other. And I lay with her for a few minutes and, and then uh, helps her go to sleep and uh, puts me at uh, my mind at ease knowing that she's okay tucked in. It's beautiful. What a beautiful way to end it, start and end the day. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Regina. Thanks for listening to Little Detours with Regina Brett. If you want to know more about today's guest and topic, head to my podcast page at reginabrett.com. There you can also subscribe to my email newsletter so you never miss an opportunity to be inspired. For more episodes, you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review my show so we can reach and inspire even more people. Thanks for joining us today. Now go make something possible.